Hello and welcome back to the DPT School Study Guide, where we will be going over the notes for the second exam for clinical medicine. And we will begin today's review session with the fill in the blanks for the cardiovascular system. So without further ado, let's begin. So to start off, we will be going over the signs and symptoms of cardiovascular disease. Um, some signs and symptoms include a cough, which is nonspecific. It's a nonspecific reaction to irritation anywhere from the pharynx to the larynx. Um, some cyanosis, which results from a lack of oxygen, and that is a bluish discoloration of the lips and nail beds of the fingers and toes. Peripheral edema, which is the accumulation of fluid in interstitial space, and claudation. Um, claudication, excuse me, uh, which is leg pain or cramping. Some diagnostic tests used to identify cardiovascular disease include a chest x-ray, an EKG, which is the measurement of tiny potential differences on the surface of the body that reflect the electrical activity of the heart, a Holter monitor, a portable EKG machine, um, but that's usually a little time-consuming, and it takes about 24 to 48 hours to get a reading. An exercise stress test, an echocardiogram, which is a sonogram of the heart, and a Doppler machine, which is a portable sonogram. So let's go over the effects of aging. Um, there is a decreased number of cardiac muscle cells, a development of cardiac fibrosis, a decrease in calcium transport across membranes, a lower capillary density, um, decreases in intracellular response to beta androgenic stimulation, uh, impaired autonomic reflex control of the heart rate as well. Going over some gender differences, Female hearts are usually smaller and constructed differently than male hearts. Uh, there is a left ventricular mass increase with age in healthy women, but not in men. Um, women with acute myocardial infarction receive less aggressive therapy than men and have a poorer outcome when treated. Um, in addition, women delay decision to seek help. And women undergoing bypass surgery have a death rate two times higher than men. Some more gender differences. Uh, Well-known heart attack symptoms in, include uh, gripping, chest pain, and breaking out in cold sweat, whereas women can also experience less recognizable symptoms such as pain or discomfort in the stomach, jaw, neck, or back, um, nausea and shortness of breath in addition to fatigue. So going over some coronary artery diseases, to start we have angina, which is when cardiac workload exceeds the oxygen supply to the myocardial tissue, and ischemia occurs causing chest pain. Myocardial infarction, which is the development of ischemia with resultant necrosis of myocardial tissue, and myocardial infarction is synonymous with having a heart attack. Uh, congestive heart failure 
is another coronary artery disease where the heart is unable to pump sufficient blood to the supply the body's needs. We have uh, sudden cardiac death as well, which is death resulting from abrupt loss of heart function. So let's go over ischemia versus infarction. So the key difference between ischemia and infarction is that ischemia is the decrease in blood flow to the myocardium, whereas infarction is the death of myocardium caused by a uh, lack of blood flow. Angina is a symptom. It's subjective, uh, and it's a complaint that many people have as a result of ischemia. But it's important to recognize that not everyone with ischemia actually feels it, and chest pain can be caused by other things than heart disease. So let's uh, focus in on angina a little bit more. Um, as we mentioned, angina is when cardiac workload exceeds the oxygen supply to the myocardial tissue, and ischemia occurs uh, causing chest pain. So we have chronic stable angina, which is classic and exertional. It occurs at predictable levels of physical or emotional stress. And there is also new onset angina, which has developed in the past two weeks and it is unstable. And then there's also nocturnal angina, which uh, will awaken a person from sleep with the same sensation experienced during exertion. Um, there's also angina associated uh, post-infarction, which is after a myocardial infarction, also known as a heart attack. And then there's pre-infarction, which is unstable. It is a symptom of worsening cardiac ischemia. Then we have Prinz metals angina, which is vasospastic slash variant caused by coronary artery spasm and not atherosclerosis. And then there's decubitus angina, which is resting. It occurs often at rest and at the same time every day. So some risk factors, uh, any condition that alters the blood oxygen supply or demand of the myocardium, a coronary, artis, coronary artery disease accounts for 90% of cases, and the onset is often triggered by physical exertion or exercise. And the pathogenesis is a symptom of ischemia brought on by an imbalance between cardiac workload and cardiac supply. Some clinical manifestations of angina include um, temporary pain or discomfort that may be referred to any dermatome from C3 to T4, uh, sensation described as squeezing, burning, pressing, heartburn, indigestion, or choking. Uh, recognizing symptoms is more difficult in women and the diagnosis uh, can be made by a history supported by some sublingual nitroglycerin, which would shorten the attack, uh, an examination for signs of disease that may produce angina. Some prevention and treatment. Uh, treatment of an underlying disorder, avoiding situations 
and stressors that cause angina is a major prevent prevention uh, and treatment. Uh, sublingual nitroglycerin, uh, but it's important to recognize that it, not to take nitroglycerin with Viagra because that ultimately causes the blood pressure to go fatally low. Vasodilators, uh, anticoagulation therapy, revascularization procedures. The prognosis is that uh, ischemia leaves heart leaves the heart vulnerable to arrhythmias and myocardial infarction. Um, it depends on left ventricular function, but it is influenced by the type of angina, the ability to prevent angina, and the severity of underlying disease. So some pharmacology of the cardiovascular system. The treatment of angina pectoris is uh, some drugs that help restore or maintain the balance between myocardial oxygen supply and demand. Um, to start, we have organic nitrates, which decrease myocardial oxygen demand by dilating veins and decreasing the amount of blood re returning to the heart. Some beta-androgenic blockers, which decrease heart rate and force of myocardial contraction by antagonizing beta-1 receptors. Some calcium channel blockers increase coronary blood flow, thus increasing myocardial oxygen supply vasodilation, and anticoagulants such as heparin or aspirin to prevent further blockage of the coronary arteries. Some implications for physical therapy. Some common side effects of medication is orthostatic hypotension, uh, monitoring vital signs such as the blood pressure, heart rate, or the pulse. And so one question that we want to reflect as physical therapists, uh, what do you do if your patient becomes hypotension? Well, to, we want to be careful of the patient changing positions. And if they're standing, sit them down if they become hypotensive. And if they're sitting down, lay them down and keeping their feet up. So moving on to the next coronary artery disease, the uh, myocardial infarction. Uh, myocardial infarction is the development of ischemia with resultant necrosis of myocardial tissue, and it is synonymous with a heart attack. Some risk factors would be any condition that alters the blood oxygen supply or demand of the myocardium. 80 to 90% of myocardial infarctions result from coronary thrombosis and maybe other unidentified risk factors as well. Myocardial infarctions occur more frequently in the early morning hours um, during the holiday season. Upper respiratory tract illness, periodontal disease, acute respiratory tract infections, diabetes can also increase the risk. Uh, some increased PAI1 activity has been identified as a risk factor for myocardial infarction in people with diabetes. Waist-to-hip ratio may provide um, one of the best indicators of heart attack, uh, heart attack risks. So moving on to the pathogenesis, the occlusion of the coronary arteries, especially the left coronary artery branches affecting the left ventricle, myocardial infarction slash reperfusion injury accompanied by inflammatory response 
uh, such as molecular oxygen, cellular blood elements, especially neutrophils, and activated complement system. So some clinical manifestations, sudden sensation of pressure, chest pain occasionally radiating to the arms, throat, neck, and back, may be accompanied by pallor, shortness of breath, and perspiration. In women, shortness of breath and chronic unexplained fatigue are also some clinical manifestations, and post-infarction complications include arrhythmias, cardiogenic shock, pericarditis, and the rupture of the heart, uh, sudden death. So you can prevent this by you know, treating the underlying disorder and avoid situations and stressors. The diagnosis can be made by clinical history and interpretation of EKG, the measurement of serum levels of cardiac enzymes, such as cardiac troponin, uh, uh, cardiac troponin T, and myocardial isoenzyme of creatine kinase. Uh, using imaging can also help with the diagnosis, such as transesophageal uh, echocardiography, real-time 3D echocardiography, uh, MR, MRIs, and echogens. So what exactly does that mean for us? So some implications for physical therapists, uh, early post-myocardial infarction, gentle movement exercises, deep breathing and coughing, monitoring vital signs, of course, a regular exercise program to strengthen the heart and control blood pressure, cholesterol, diabetes, and weight. So it's important to recognize the difference between angina and myocardial infarction. So there are some key differences that can be easily confused. Um, the signs and symptoms for angina uh, are characterized by temporary pain or dis discomfort. They may be referred to any dermatome from C3 to T4. And the sensation described as squeezing or burning, pressing, heartburn, indigestion, or choking. Whereas for myocardial, myocardial infarction, some signs and symptoms are sudden, sudden sensation of pressure, um, chest pain occasionally radiating to the arms, throat, neck, back, and may be accompanied by pallor, shortness of breath, and perspiration. And the pathogenesis for angina is ischemia brought on by an imbalance between cardiac workload versus cardiac, uh, excuse me, oxygen supply. Whereas a myocardial infarction's pathogenesis is the occlusion of a, of the coronary arteries. So one is the imbalance between workload and oxygen supply, angina, whereas the other one is an occlusion or a blockage of the coronary arteries, which myocardial infarction. Moving down the list of coronary artery diseases, we have congestive heart failure. And congestive heart failure is when the heart is unable to pump sufficient blood to supply the body's needs. There are four types of congestive heart failure. There is systolic heart failure, which is the contractile failure of the myocardium. There is diastolic heart failure, which is increasing filling pressures. Uh, are required to maintain adequate cardiac output. There is left-sided heart failure, which is when the left ventricle can no longer maintain normal cardiac output. And right-sided heart failure, where the there is right-sided ventricular dysfunction secondary to either left-sided heart failure or to pulmonary disease.
Uh, heart failure develops in approximately 550,000 individuals per year, the most common cause for hospitalization in people older than 65. It's estimated that 5 million people living with congestive heart failure in the United States. Some risk factors include hypertension, pre-existing heart disease, pulse uh, pressure evaluation, Paget's disease, which is uh, high serum calcium levels, uh, medication, and HIV. So let's go over the pathogenesis, which is uh, structural changes such as the loss of myofilaments, apoptosis, uh, disturbances in calcium homeostasis, and alteration in collagen synthesis. There are some neurohormonal compensatory mechanisms to keep in mind. There is the first compensatory phase, which consists of ventricular dilation and pulmonary congestion. There is the second compensatory phase, which consists of sympathetic nervous system uh, increasing the stimulation of the heart muscle. And then there is the third compensatory phase, which consists of activation of the renin-angiotensin-aldosterone system. Uh, the kidneys retain water and sodium to increase blood volume. Some clinical manifestations, left-sided heart failure um, would include dyspnea, fatigue, muscular weakness, and renal changes. And for left-sided heart failure, the key manifestation here is pulmonary edema. With right-sided heart failure, there is also edema jugular venous distension, abdominal pain, uh, right upper quadrant pain, and cyanosis. And the key manifestation here for right-sided heart failure is peripheral edema, which is most prominent in the lower extremities. So let's go over some pharmacology now. Um, some treatment of congestive heart failure. The goal here is to improve the heart's pumping ability. Uh, some drugs that increase myocardial contraction force are also known as positive ionotropic agents. Uh, digitalis, which increases the intracellular calcium concentration to enhance contractility and increase the heart's mechanical pumping ability. Next, there are phosphodiesterase inhibitors, which allow cyclic AMP concentrations to increase, allowing calcium concentrations to increase. And lastly, there are dopamine and dobutamine, which stimulate beta-1 receptors on the myocardium to increase contractility, uh, usually reserved for patients with advanced cases of coronary uh, um, congestive heart failure. Now, next up, we have agents that decrease the cardiac workload, which include um, ACE inhibitors, which limit peripheral vasoconstriction, decreasing the pressure against which the heart has to pump. Uh, angiotensin II receptor blockers, also known as ARBs, which are used as an alternative for those who cannot tolerate ACE inhibitors. Then we have beta blockers, which normalize the sympathetic stimulation of the heart, reducing heart rate and myocardial contraction force. And then we have diuretics, which reduce congestion of the lungs and peripheral tissues by excreting excess fluid. And lastly, we have 
vasodilators, which reduce peripheral vascular resistance. Now, um, common question uh, that's often asked is like, what else can mimic cardiogenic pain? So it's important to, you know, really uh, be mindful of these key differences and um, refer out when needed because um, gastrointestinal distress, anxiety, panic attacks, muscular strains, and infectious diseases can also mimic cardiogenic pain. So it's important to always you know, talk to the patient and refer out when needed. Some helpful screens to uh, recognize if something is cardiogenic or not um, would be, for starters, if symptoms worsen with effort and abates with rest, it is most likely cardiogenic. If symptoms are constant, then probably not cardiogenic. If the symptom comes and goes on its own, then it's usually harder to tell. If a symptom is reproducible with pressure, then it's less likely to be cardiogenic. So now moving on to cardiomyopathies. Cardiomyopathy is the con it's conditions that uh, affect the heart muscle so that contraction and relaxation of the myocardium are impaired. Uh, cardiomyopathies are a heterogeneous group of diseases of the myocardium associated with mechanical and slash or electrical dysfunction that usually but not invariably exhibit inappropriate ventricular hypertrophy or dilation and are the result of a variety of causes that frequently are genetic. Cardiomyopathies either are confined to the heart or are part of a generalized system of disorders, often leading to cardiovascular death or progressive heart failure-related disability. So, as we mentioned, there are different types of cardiomyopathies. There is primary, there are primary cardiomyopathies, which include genetic, mixed, and acquired uh, cardiomyopathies, which are confined to the heart muscle. Then there are secondary cardiomyopathies, which involve myocardiopathology as part of a generalized system of disorders that affect the heart along with other organs. Some risk factors for cardiomyopathies include um, obesity, long-term alcohol abuse, systemic hypertension, smoking, infections, pregnancies, and they can also affect any age group. Uh, the pathologies for this are unknown. Um, there's also dilated cardiomyopathy, which occurs most often in black men between 40 and 60 years old. Um, the risk factors are, once again, obesity, long-term alcohol abuse, systemic hypertension, smoking, infections, pregnancy. There is also hypertrophic cardiomyopathy, which is a autosomal uh, dominant trait on chromosome 14. It is the most common cause of sudden cardiac death in young people. And then there is restrictive cardiomyopathy, which results in myocardial fibrosis, hypertrophy, infiltration, or some sort of defect in myocardial relaxation. So some clinical manifestations of cardiomyopathies include dyspnea, orthopnea, tachycardia, palpitations, peripheral edema, distended jugular vein, um, to name a few. 
for cardiomyopathy, for dilated cardiomyopathy. Um, we can see fatigue, weakness, chest pain, which is unlike an angina, um, where the blood pressure is normal or often low. There's um, hypertrophic cardiomyopathy, which is usually asymptomatic. And unfortunately, sudden death is um, the presenting sign most of the time. As for restrictive cardiomyopathy, uh, ex there, there's exercise intolerance as a clinical manifestation, uh, fatigue, shortness of breath, and uh, peripheral edema. And cardiomyopathies may be uh, diagnosed from exclusion of other causes of cardiac dysfunction. Uh, there are specific tests that include echocardiography, chest radiography, blood chemistries, and DNA analysis that uh, bring us to that diagnosis of cardiomyopathy and what type. Uh, myocardial, going over myocardial neoplasms, uh, where primary cardiac tumors are often rare. 95% of malignant tumors are sarcomas, whereas the other 5% are lymphomas. Sarcomas replace functional cardiac tissue with cancerous cells. Uh, then they may not produce any symptoms or present with any arrhythmias and conduction disturbances. Uh, benign primary cardiac tumors occur three times more often than malignant primary tumors. Under the branch of cardiomyopathies, uh, cardiac neoplasms come to the attention of the therapist when progressive interference with mitral valve function results in exercise intolerance or exertional dys dyspnea, uh, embolus, which causes a stroke, uh, systemic manifestations often occur, which can include much muscle atrophy, arthralgias, malaise, or Raynaud's phenomenon. The diagnosis is usually made by echocardiography followed by imaging studies, and the treatment usually uh, in involves the resection of the tumor. So moving on to valvular diseases, an example is uh, mitral stenosis, which is the thickening of the mitral valve due to rheumatic heart disease that primarily affects women. The pathogenesis of mitral stenosis is the anterior and posterior leaflets are fixed like a funnel when opening at the center, and they move together rather than in opposite directions. So the left atrial pressure rises to maintain normal flow across the valve and to maintain a normal cardiac output. This then results in a pressure difference between the left atrium and the left ventricle during diastole. So the treatment includes some pharmacologic uh, digoxin, antiarrhythmic agents, anticoagulants, uh, some surgical procedures include valve repair, valve repair, replacement with an artificial valve or balloon valvotomy. The prognosis is that balloon valvotomy provides an excellent relief with prolonged benefits, and symptomatic patients are not candidates for exercise programs. So the diagnosis for valvular diseases, they are discovered during routine cardiac auscultation or when 
echocardiography is performed for another reason. The treatment includes um, management, such as reassurance, beta blockers, uh, an exercise program, elimination of caffeine, alcohol, and cigarette use. Uh, rarely surgical replacement of the valve may be recommended. Uh, and the prognosis is that mitral valve prolapse or mitral valve prolapse syndrome is a benign condition in the majority of people. And they can usually participate in all sports activities, but symptoms of fatigue and dyspnea with, uh, may limit the activity of these act- may limit their activity of these activities. You know what I mean. (laughs) Another valvular disease includes aortic stenosis, which is a disease of aging that is commonly caused by progressive valvular calcification, either superimposed on a congenitally bicuspid valve or in the older adult involving a previously normal value following rheumatic fever. The pathogenesis of aortic stenosis The orifice of the aortic valve narrows, causing increased resistance to blood flow from the left ventricle into the aorta. Some clinical manifestations of aortic stenosis include, um, uh, they're usually asymptomatic until the sixth decade of life or later, but the most common sign is a systolic ejection murmur radiating to the neck. And aortic stenosis can usually be uh, diagnosed by echodoppler ECG showing um, left ventricular hypertrophy and x-ray or fluoroscopy may show a calcified aortic valve. And it is treated by surgical intervention, which is usually required and may include valve replacement or balloon valve valvulopathy. And the prognosis is that adults with aortic stenosis who are asymptomatic have a normal life expectancy. Once symptoms appear, the prognosis is usually poor without surgery. Moving on to arrhythmias, um, the pathogenesis and clinical manifestations of rate arrhythmias, which um, include tachycardia and bradycardia. So before we get into that, it's important to understand that the average adult heartbeat uh, is 60 to 100 beats per minute. And with tachycardia, which is a type of rate arrhythmia, the heart beats too fast. So it beats greater than 100 beats per minute. And it develops in the presence of increased sympathetic stimulation or oxygen demand. And bradycardia is a type of rate arrhythmia where the heart beats too slow. It is less than 50 beats per minute, which is normal in well-trained athletes, but it's also common in those taking beta blockers, those with a traumatic brain injury or brain tumors, those experiencing uh, increased vagal stimulation as well. So some pathogenesis and clinical manifestations of arrhythmias. So rhythm arrhythmias are variations from the normal rhythm of the heart and can be lethal, uh, symptomatic or asymptomatic. And they're dangerous because they reduce cardiac output. So sinus arrhythmia is a 
is an irregularity in rhythm that may be a normal variation in athletes, children, and older people, or may be caused by an alteration in vagal stimulation. Ventricular fibrillation is an electric phenomenon that results in involuntary, uncoordinated muscular contractions of the ventricles. Heart block is a disorder of the heartbeat that is caused by an an interruption in the passage of impulses through the heart's electrical system. Some uh, next up is sick sinus syndrome, which is also known as bradytachy. It is a complex cardiac arrhythmia and conduction disturbance that is associated with advanced age, coronary artery disease, or drug therapy. And also holiday heart syndrome may occur when the heart responds to the increase in catecholamines, catecholamines, which are brought on by excessive alcohol abuse. Um, The diagnosis of arrhythmias uh, comes from ECG and uh, monitoring um, and uh, PVC, premature ventricular complex, uh, ventricular tachycardia, or ventricular fibrillation. Um, It's important to always stop activity after three beats of ventricular tachycardia um, and... At that point, you need to call the MD, um, and ventricular fibrillation is an emergency, as well as you do not want any sort of asystole. Um, The goal of treatment for arrhythmias is to control ventricular rate, prevent thromboembolism, and restore normal sinus rhythm, Uh, return to normal heart rhythm, which is so known as cardio version um, can happen spontaneously and through electrical stimulation known as a defibrillator, uh, pharmacologic treatment, and pacemakers. The prognosis is that about half of all individuals with arrhythmias will spontaneously convert to normal sinus rhythm within 24 to 48 hours. So um, some pharmacology for the treatment of arrhythmias. There are class one, uh, which are sodium channel blockers, which act to normalize the rate of sodium entry into cardiac tissues and thereby help control cardiac excitation and conduction. There is class two uh, beta blockers, which decrease the excitatory effects of the sympathetic nervous system and catecholamines on the heart. It's the most effective for treating atrial tachycardias. And then class three, which are drugs that prolong repolarization. And they function to delay the repolarization of cardiac cells, thus slowing and stabilizing the heart rate. Um, And they're used to treat ventricular arrhythmias. And then there are class four calcium channel blockers, which function to decrease the rate of discharge of the uh, SA node and inhibit conduction velocity through the AV node. They are most successful in treating arrhythmias caused by atrial dysfunction. 
moving on to endocarditis. Infective endocarditis is a bacterial infection of the endocardium, which is the lining of the inside of the heart. Most commonly, it damages the mitral valve, followed by aortic, tricuspid, and pulmonary valves. Some risk factors for endocarditis are those with previous valvular damage, prosthetic heart valves, injection drug users, immunocompromised uh, women who have had a suction abortion or pelvic infection, and post-cardiac surgical patients are at a higher risk. The pathogenesis of endocarditis is an infection that causes an inflammation of the cardiac endothelium with destruction of the connective tissue. Um, there is also uh, rheumatic fever and heart disease, which is one form of endocarditis caused by streptococcal group, group A bacteria that can be fatal and lead to rheumatic heart disease, a chronic condition caused by scarring and deformity of the heart valves. The infection generally starts up as a strep throat in children 5 to 15 years old and damages the heart in about 50% of cases. The pathogenesis of endocarditis is that it produces a diffuse, proliferate, and exudative inflammatory process in connective tissue, endocardial endocardial inflammation causing swelling of the valve leaflets, and some clinical manifestations of endocarditis are strep throat, carditis, acute migratory polyarthritis, and uh, chorea. Next is pericarditis, which is inflammation of the pericardium and may be a primary condition or secondary to other diseases and circumstances. The most common types of pericarditis will be drug-induced or those associated with autoimmune diseases. After a myocardial infarction in conjunction with renal failure, after open heart surgery, and after radiation therapy. The pathogenesis of pericarditis is constrictive pericarditis, um, which is characterized by a fibrotic, thickened, and adherent pericardium that is compressing the heart. Uh, pericardial effusion refers to fluid accumulation within the pericardial sac. Some clinical manifestations of pericarditis include pleuratic chest pain. Pain is substernal and may radiate to the neck, shoulder, upper back, and upper trapezius, uh, the left supraclavicular area, uh, the epigastrum, uh, or down the left arm. Other symptoms can include fever, joint pain, dyspnea, or difficulty in swallowing. Pericarditis is usually diagnosed um, through clinical presentation, auscultation, and client history. Some classic signs of pericarditis is the pericardial friction rub heard on an auscultation and can also be diagnosed through x-ray, ECG, CT scans, or MRIs. And it is usually treated through um, directed forward, uh, which, excuse me, the treatment is directed towards prevention of long-term complications and treating the underlying cause itself. Uh, 
comprehensive and systematic um, implica- uh, implementation of new techniques of pericardio uh, centesis, uh, pericardial fluid analysis, pericardioscopy, and epicardial and pericardial biopsy analyses, um, which have permitted early specific diagnosis. And the prognosis for pericarditis can be good in cases of acute viral pericarditis without involvement of myocardium, but medical intervention is necessary or can lead to death. Next, we're uh, focusing on an aneurysm, which is a disease of the aorta. And aneurysm is an abnormal stretching in the wall of an artery, vein, or the heart with a diameter that is at least 50% greater than normal. The most common arterial aneurysm is that of the aorta. Um, There are some thoracic aortic aneurysms which are located above the diaphragm, which account for 10% of aneurysms, um, most frequently occur in men. 40 to 50 years old, and abdominal aortic aneurysms are located below the diaphragm and occur four four times more frequently than aortic, I mean thoracic uh, aneurysms. So peripheral arterial aneurysms can affect the femoral and popliteal arteries. Some risk factors for aneurysms are being over the age of 50 years old, family members of anyone with an aneurysm, gene defects on chromosomes 11 and 15, and mutation of transforming growth factor beta receptor. The pathogenesis of an aneurysm is plaque formation, which erodes the vessel wall, predisposing the vessel to stretching of the inner and outer layers of the artery and the formation of a sac. The treatment for an aneurysm would include prevention of those with a higher risk. And treatment is based on the size of the bulge, the rate of expansion, and clinical presentation. And there uh, also includes surgical intervention before a rupture, and uh, as well as preventative pharmaco- pharmacology, such as uh, statins to lower cholesterol beta blockers, or ACE inhibitors to control blood pressure, which um, all of the above can be prescribed. The prognosis of an aneurysm um, is usually associated with a high mortality. Moving on to essential hypertension, which uh, is the persistent elevation of diapostolic blood pressure, meaning uh, greater than 90 um, millimeters of mercury and the systolic blood pressure greater than 140 millimeters of mercury or both measured on at least two separate occasions for at least uh, two weeks apart. Some risk factors include genetics, smoking, obesity, high cholesterol, and uh, African-American descent. The pathogenesis is increased peripheral resistance as a result of narrowing arterioles with prolonged hypertension, the elastic tissue in arterioles is replaced by fibrous collagen tissue, offering greater resistance to blood flow, leading to decreased perfusion of the heart, kidney, and brain tissue. 
some clinical manifestations. Um, essential hypertension is often asymptomatic, but symptoms may include headache, vertigo, flushed face, spontaneous epi ep epistaxis, blurred vision, and nocturnal urinary frequency. The diagnosis is um, that blood pressure measurements taken at several different times and under consistent circumstances. The diagnosis cannot be made from simply one reading. The treatment for essential hypertension aims to achieve and maintain the lowest safe arterial blood pressure. Management may include self um, some lifestyle changes, including diet, exercise, weight loss, abstinence from alcohol, and smoking. Uh, pharmacological treatment, such as diuretics, beta blockers, calcium channel blockers, ACE inhibitors, oral renin inhibitors, uh, and controlling blood pressure is the most effective way to prevent stroke. The prognosis of hypertension is uh, a major risk factor for other more serious heart and vascular conditions. The life expectancy decreases with a rise in diastolic or systolic blood pressure. Uh, congenital heart disease is next, which is an anatomic defect in the heart that develops in utero uh, during the first trimester and is present at birth. Cyanotic defects result from obstruction of blood flow to the lungs or mixing of venous and arterial blood with, uh, within the chambers of the heart. Acyanotic defects involve primarily left-to-right shunting through an abnormal opening caused by genetic mutations such as trisomy 13, 18, 21. 90% of heart defects, the cause is unknown or involves multiple factors such as diabetes, alcohol consumption, viruses, maternal rubella infection during the first trimester, and drugs. For congenital heart disease, the uh, pathogenesis is anything that interferes with the developmental process of the heart during the first 8 to 10 weeks of pregnancy, which can result in the congenital defect. For uh, cyanotic the transposition of the great vessels, no communication between systemic and pulmonary circulations, uh, aortic exits right vent aorta exits the right ventricle, and pulmonary trunk exits the left ventricle. There is a tetralogy of phallate, which um, there results in pulmonary stenosis, large ventricle septal defect, aortic communication with both ventricles and right ventricular hypertrophy and tricuspid artresia, which is the failure of the tricuspid valve to develop with a lack of communication from the right atrium to the right ventricle. In acyanotic, we see ventricular septal defect, which is the abnormal opening between the right and left ventricles. Atrial septal defect, which is the abnormal opening between atria, allowing blood from the higher pressure left atrium to flow into the lower pressure right atrium. Uh, Coarctication, 
coarticulation of the aorta, which is narrowing near the insertion of the ductus arteriosus, resulting in increased pressure to the head, upper extremities, and decreased pressure to the body and lower extremities. And um, with the last one is patent ductus arteriosus, which is the failure of the fetal ductus arteriosus to close. Next, we have some peripheral vascular diseases. Uh, peripheral vascular diseases encompasses pathologic conditions of blood vessels supplying the extremities and major abdominal organs. Peripheral vascular diseases is uh, organized based on the underlying pathologic finding. For example, inflammatory arterial occlusive venous or vasomotor disorders. Moving on to thromboangitis obliterans, um, also known as Bugers disease, a vasculitis affecting the peripheral blood vessels, primarily in the extremities, and it can be classified as inflammatory or arterial occlusive disorders. The cause is unknown, but most often found in men younger than 40 who smoke heavily. The, path the pathogenesis is unknown, but inflammatory process is heavily involved. The clinical manifestations include pain and tenderness in the affected area are caused by occlusion of the arteries and reduced blood flow and subsequent reduced oxygenation. Other symptoms include edema, cold sensitivity, ruber cyanosis, and thin, shiny, hairless skin from chronic ischemia. In thromboangitis obliterans, the diagnosis is made through arteriography, but definitive diagnosis is determined by histologic examination of blood vessels, microabscesses in the vessel wall. The treatment includes intervention with uh, uh, intervention made by the cessation of smoking. Other treatments are aimed at improving circulation to the foot and or hand. Pharmacologic intervention, such as vasodilators, uh, pain relief, physical or occupational therapy. The, the prognosis of thromboangitis obliterans is not life-threatening, but can result in progressive disability from pain and loss of function secondary to amputation. Next, we have Raynaud's disease and phenomenon which is intermittent episodes of small artery constriction of the extremities causing temporary pallor and cyanosis of the digits and changes in the skin temperature. With Raynaud's disease, when uh, the condition is primary uh, vasoplastic excuse me, disorder, and it affects women more than men, ages 20 to 49, it appears to be caused by hypersensitivity of digital arteries to cold, uh, release of serotonin, and genetic susceptibility to vasospasm. Um, Raynaud's phenomenon is when the disorder is secondary to another disease or un underlying cause. And that problem is for 10 to 20% of the population. It affects women 20 times more than men, ages 
15 to 40, often in association with Bugers disease, uh, con connective tissue disorders, occlusive arterial diseases, and neurologic lesions. Raynaud's is diagnosed through clinical presentation and past medical history. The disease is diagnosed by a history of symptoms for at least two years with no progression and no evidence of underlying cause. The treatment uh, for disease limited to prevention or alleviation of vasospasm by avoiding stimuli that trigger attacks, physical or occupational therapy, calcium channel blockers. For phenomenon, the treatment of the underlying cause. And the prognosis for Raynaud's is untreated or uncontrolled may damage or destroy affected digits. Moving on to venous thrombosis, which is a partial or complete occlusion of a vein or uh, by a clot, which is known as a thrombus, which uh, with secondary inflammation reaction in the wall of the vein. Superficial venous thrombosis most commonly occurs in the saphenous vein of the lower extremity. Deep, vein, deep venous thrombosis is usually of the femoral or iliac veins of the lower extremity and pelvis. Deep vein thrombosis is third most common in cardiovascular diseases. And the risk factors for venous thrombosis are uh, high-risk candidates have a history of recent venous thromboembolism or have undergone extensive pelvic or abdominal surgery for advanced malignancy, renal transplantation, splenectomy, or major orthopedic surgery of the lower limbs. Um, the pathogenesis of venous thrombosis is trauma to the endothelium of the vein wall, exposing subendothelial tissues to platelets and clotting factors initiating thrombosis. There are two different types of thrombosis, which uh, include the mural thrombus, where the thrombus is attached to the wall of the vein, but does not occlude the vessel lumen, and occlusive thrombus, which begins by attachment of the vessel wall and progresses to occlude the vessel. The treatment for venous thrombosis is to prevent progression to pulmonary embolism, limit the extension of the thrombus, limit the damage to the vein, and prevent another clot from forming. Uh, current therapy is to administer low molecular weight heparin, followed by long-term oral anticoagulant. Uh, the prognosis for venous thrombosis is... Um, frequent, uh, it's a frequent cause of death. Um, deep vein thrombosis is a common frequent cause of pulmonary embolism, and pulmonary embolism is a frequent cause of death. Uh, with appropriate intervention, though, a return to normal health and activity can be expected within one to three weeks. Uh, and lastly, we will go over varicose veins, which is an abnormal dilation of veins, usually in the lower extremities, leading to twisting and turning of the vessel, in, in uh, incompetence of the valves, and a propensity to thrombosis. Some risk factors for varicose veins are that they are an inherited trait, 
periods of high venous pressure associated with heavy lifting or prolonged sitting or standing or hormonal changes. And the pathogenesis is when the valves become incompetent or veins become more elastic and the veins become engorged with stagnant blood. So that is the review for, or at least the first review of the cardiovascular system. The next review that we will be going over in the next episode will be the, uh, will include some pulmonary diseases. And uh, I hope this helped and I hope we all get hundreds. So take care and see me in the next episode.